praise God, thankful for dad, you know, and I'm not uh, ignorant of the fact that some people, uh, my dad's gone on to be with the Lord, so I don't have a dad here. I don't have uh, an earthly father, so I can sympathize with those of you that don't have a dad. And then some of you uh, have a dad that wasn't around or maybe still isn't around, could be incarcerated, could be just non-existent. So, uh, you know, I believe uh, God, uh, uh, the most revolutionary thing about Jesus Christ was not the miracles that he did. Uh, he did supernatural miracles. But you understand there was other people in the Bible that were doing miracles. If you remember in the Old Testament, the Bible says that, that God told Moses, he, takes, he said, take the staff in your hand and throw it on the ground. And when he did, it became a snake. And that was pretty supernatural. But then other people stood up. They had their own staff and they threw it on the ground. And it also became a snake. One person was was operating with the supernatural ability of God, but then other people were doing supernatural things. They just weren't using God to do it. They weren't using Him. They're really using what the Bible calls familiar spell, uh, spirits or demons, really, that they, they could do. There's people on television right now that are doing supernatural things. So uh, I believe the most supernatural thing about Jesus was not just the miracles. There were other witch doctors and other people doing these, these elaborate type things. The Bible says that that what was so outstanding about Jesus was, was his words. The Bible says that over and over again, it says no man has ever spoken like this man. No man speaks like Jesus. He speaks as one having authority. It was his words that really gripped people, that they hung on every one of his words. And the most revolutionary statements that he made is he came and he called God Father. Over and over and over again, he called him Father. And he didn't just call him Father, he actually called him Abba, A-B-B-A. Uh, uh, not the band. You know, I think there was a band in the 80s called Abba. I don't know anything about Abba. Uh, but, 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 but he called God Abba. And Abba really means Daddy. That, that, that Jesus, everywhere he went, he would say, In my Daddy's house are many mansions. In my Daddy's house. Everything I see my Daddy do, he'd, uh, I do. Everything I, I I hear my daddy say, I say. Every place that my daddy tells me to go, I go. And that just blew their mind that he called a God Father. In the Old Testament, he was Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah, nine redemptive names of God. They always called God Jehovah. But when Jesus showed up, he said, this is my papa, this is my daddy. And he just doted on his relationship uh, with the Father. And, and, and my prayer for, for some of you that maybe don't have a good relationship with, with your natural father, I believe the devil likes to mess that relationship up. Because a lot of times we relate our heavenly father with our natural father. We think, well, if God is supposed to be a father, the father I had uh, was, was, was lousy to me. And it messes up that. So, so my prayer for you uh, this week has been, God, people that don't have a good father relationship, let that not taint what Jesus brought to this earth because he came to reveal the heavenly father and if your daddy would have patterned himself after the heavenly father that there would be no problems that we wouldn't be in the predicament that we're in uh, we were children's pastor for 12 years
years and, and, and just saw a lot of kids that never knew their dad, never didn't know anything about him. And we were always trying to try to convey the fact that God said, he says, listen, I'll be a father to the fatherless. To those of you that don't even have a father, he says, I'll be your father. I'll pick that up. He says, I'll instruct you and guide you and give you wisdom and bring people in your life to help you and instruct you and give you wisdom. He is our heavenly father. He's a father to the fatherless. So, so, so regardless of your situation, whether or not this is just another day to you, some of you are like 14 and it's like, Father's Day is, doesn't really mean a lot to you. Uh, it means something to me because I have kids and they gave me a bow tie. So uh, the bow tie is being worn this morning because that's what I got this morning. And I like it. It took me about an hour to tie it, though, it seems like. Praise God. I want to give you some scriptures, though, this morning, uh, not on Father or on Father's Day. I really want to uh, finish or what I'd started. I hope you enjoyed Steve and Sean last week, their ministry, their music and stuff. But the week before that, we've been talking about cleaning fish or we've been talking about our responsibility as Christians to reach people, that, that it's our responsibility. It's our goal in life. It's our aim. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He said, the way you catch people is the same way you catch fish, different bait different places a uh, different different uh, you can use a net or you can use a hook but whatever it takes reach people grab them and put them into the kingdom of God take them out of the sea of sin bring them onto the ark of the cross but anytime you catch fish there's people fishing behind our house uh, yesterday and they're down there and they're catching the fish and they take the fish and, and they put it in the live well and then whenever they get home there's a process of cleaning that fish they got to scale it and gut it and they got to do all of that stuff to get what the fish ready for the master nobody's eating a raw fish except for sushi still prepared prepared, and it's delish but, but, but by and large, right, in, in the New Testament, every time Jesus was feeding people fish, feeding the 5,000, feeding the apostles, uh, wherever the, those fish had to be prepared. So we've been looking at discipleship and what it means to be prepared, what it means to be made ready for the master's use. Because you can be taken out of the kingdom of darkness and just flop like a fish out of water without ever being productive for the kingdom of God. But I believe God wants us to be productive. And we, before for last, the, the verse that we use is the Bible says in, in, a, in, a, in any home, there are vessels for honor and there's vessels for dishonor. But if you want to be used by the master, you have to cleanse yourself from certain things. You have to, and he gives us a list, and I'm not going to go back through that list, but all throughout the scripture, there's a list of things that he says, listen, you need to not do this. You need to, you need to go ahead and do this, take care of this area. And he gives us instructions on how to prepare ourselves uh, right now in the body of Christ particularly in America it's uh, the uh, it's gotten kind of normal for people to believe or think that because of the blood of Jesus it's so awesome that we don't really have to do anything that the, the blood of Jesus I'm telling you, there's some people pastors that are preaching right now that you don't even have to make Jesus your Lord and Savior that the blood of Jesus is so strong that everybody on the earth is automatically saved I'm here to tell you they're not automatically saved. I'm here to tell you just because of the blood of Jesus, he still gives us things, assignments that we're supposed to fulfill, that that we have to cleanse and, and do things for ourselves. And we've been looking at some of that, but I told you I wanted to talk to you today. Now, the next time I had an opportunity to speak to you about what to do when you mess up. 
What to do when you fall. What to do whenever that list, you say, well, I'm good at that one. I'm good at that one. I just messed that one up. I'm good at that one. I'm good. I've just messed that one up. What to do whenever you mess up. What to do, how to respond. What, What does God require of you whenever he says that you're supposed to be patient and you're impatient? How do you correct those things? Because uh, my wife and I uh, were not always saved, not always sanctified. No, no, weren't always sanctified and dignified. No, 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 we weren't always uh, this way. We really came right out of a life of sin. I'll just tell you, but honestly, uh, we we uh, we just. And I'm not going to go into all the details. Don't really. I really want to put the emphasis on God and upon Jesus. But but we weren't always born again or saved. She grew up a certain way. I grew up in church, but but I didn't want to be at church. I sat on the back row with the other kids that want to be there, and uh, we just you know passed notes to the girls, stuff like that. You know, it's great. The only good thing about church is meeting women. Whenever you're 14, is you're in the youth group. It's like you want to go to, you know, you just yeah. That's what that's that that was my upbringing. I was raised in church. My parents made me go to church, but I didn't always want to be there. It wasn't until uh, after I, I really ran from the Lord. Uh, I guess for probably I guess maybe eight or nine years that I knew in my heart as a kid. I knew whenever I was probably eight nine years old that I was not going to have a regular life. I knew that God wanted me to work for Him, but that just scared just scared the mess out of me. It really did. It frightened me. So I spent the next the majority of my life running from the call of God. I just ran and ran and ran ran and ran and ran but I knew said well I'm going to go into the medical field so I thought that I was going to make a career out of something else but but God just down I just knew ever since I was a kid but I tried in high school I I went uh, for my senior year I went to a certified nursing assistance uh, program Uh, it was me and 15 black girls that was my class (laughs) That's no joke. My whole senior year, I went to English 4 for one hour, and then I went to a magnet school, and me and 15 black girls learned how to be nursing assistants. And that's what we did. And it was awesome. I mean, I, I loved it. They loved me. I was the only guy there, and I was just like, oh, man, we're going to have fun over here. And we did. It was, a, it was an awesome senior year. And then I spent half of the year at the VA, and I would go up there and wash these patients, you know, at the Veterans Hospital. That was my senior year. And I thought, well, after that, I joined the military, and I was going to be an operating room technician, a 91 Delta. So I'm constantly pursuing something else when all the while I just knew, man, the, God's, the call of God's on my life. But I just ran and ran and ran and ran. But finally, uh, the, the Lord just, I just knew, I felt the hand of God come off of me one day I was in Baton Rouge and I was at Perkins and 10 and and I just physically I felt the hand of God the grace of God come off of me and I knew immediately what it was but because I knew that the the grace of God was keeping me alive I totaled three cars I'd been in been in trouble done all kinds of stuff but 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 the grace of God just just kept me kept me in the game but the, the day came whenever the Bible says that you can frustrate the grace of God or that, that, that your time runs out whenever he says listen your mother's been praying for you for like nine years but but it's time for you if you don't make this decision your 
you're not going to make it out. There'll be no more totaled cars that you'll walk away from. Uh, It'll be over for you. So I I got off of Perkins. I got on 10 and I drove home because my fear of dying outgrew my fear of serving him. Because it's like, man, I'm afraid to serve God. He's going to make me a nerd. Uh, but, But then it was like, well, I'm more afraid of dying. So, so I got on 10, I went home, and I never looked back. But coming out of the life that I came out of, we would go to New Orleans for uh, two or three days, stay up all night long, then we'd go to the park, go to the after party, hang out. I mean, we just, uh, that was the life that we lived. Came out of the State Palace Theater down there, you'd rave all night, and then you'd go to the park, hang out all day, and then you'd do it all over again and do that for a few days on end. That's how my beautiful bride and I met. And she's like, she's like Mother Teresa up here. I mean, you would think she's like a fourth generation pastor now the way I see her because she is. She's very graceful and she's, she's passionate and loves God. But for, for us coming out of that life and beginning to learn that these things that we need to separate ourselves from and we need to cleanse ourselves from, it was not an, an overnight sensation. I, have, I know people personally that were womanizers and alcoholics and all this stuff. In the moment they got saved, it was like a miraculous they never looked back I mean it's like a miracle of God totally delivered I mean just instantaneous never looked back but most of the people that we've encountered or myself have found out that it's a process that it's a process to work through some of the things you've been used to doing year after year after year after year and I believe in miracles and I believe in the grace of God that could supernaturally hit you and deliver you but for me personally and for some of you here, it's going to be a process for you to walk this thing out and you're going to miss it. And you're going to screw up and you're going to mess up. But probably the number one thing that I've seen uh, in the church, uh, that friends of mine, that they'll be born again and then they'll miss it. They'll, they'll, they'll make a mistake and then they think, well, God's mad at me. I don't want to go back to church. God's upset with me. And instead of knowing what I'm about to tell you today, they'll go right back to living the way that they were rather than doing what the Bible tells us to do. I, I want to read this passage here in John this morning John chapter 11 and this is the story of Lazarus story of Lazarus we're going to read the story of Lazarus and I actually I actually need some help and I didn't think about come here boys y'all are excellent y'all are going to be perfect yeah you help them while I read uh, Lazarus I don't care whichever one wants to be toilet papered Go for it, Andrew. All right, uh, John chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now there was a certain man who was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. So you have siblings here, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was that Mary, the same Mary that anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and her brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold whom you love is is sick. We see right there that Jesus loved Lazarus. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but it will be for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, and he loved Mary, and he loved Lazarus. Again, it tells us that Jesus loved these people. These were not his disciples. These were people that supplied something different than his disciples. These were relationships... 
but they gave Jesus uh, something that he just loved this family. And now in and, and verse six, it says, so that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. But the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews have sought to stone you and you're going to go to Judea again. But Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? And if anybody walks in the day, he does not stumble because he walks in the day, but because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after he said that to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I'm going that I may wake him up. And the disciples said, they're ignorant, uh, said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's going to get better. But however, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about him taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I mean, I know sometimes Jesus got to speak plain to you. You can't beat around about you. Jesus, give it to me straight. He's dead. Okay. And I'm glad for your sakes so that I was not there or to keep him from dying so that you may believe nevertheless let us go to him. Then Thomas who is called the twin said to his fellow disciples let us go also that we may die with him. So when Jesus came he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. What's that mean? Lazarus has been dead four days. He's been in the tomb. I mean I think he stinks. I promise you he does. It's hot in that tomb. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Mary, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. And Jesus said, said to her, your brother is going to rise again. And y'all think he can make him rise again. Verse 24 says, Mary said, Martha said to him, I know that he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God, who's coming to the world. How you doing back there? Just hang tight. You're dead. <laughs> We're going to bring you out of it here in just a second. Verse 28, he says, And when she had said these things, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher Jesus has come and he's calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Jesus had not yet come into the town, but he went to the place and he met Martha there. And the Jews who were with her in the house, and they were comforting her. They would actually hire people to cry with those who had lost someone. That's, that's the truth. That if you lost a, a relative, they would pay you to go and mourn and, and, and help cry and wail, even if they didn't know the family. So there's people there that are coming around that they're comforting her. And when they saw Mary rise up quickly, they went out, followed her, saying, she's going to go to the tomb to weep there. But Mary came where Jesus was, saw him, and she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would 
would not have died. But Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews came with her weeping, and he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Jesus is getting upset here. Why? He loved this family, but also he's got an audience there that he really doesn't want. He's got the Jews there, and they're bringing doubt and unbelief, and they're there to criticize him, and he's wanting to deal with this situation, but he's got these people that are sticking their nose in it. But verse 34 says, and he says to them, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And verse 35 says, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind, could he not have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again groaning in himself. He's getting fired up now came to the tomb and it was a cave and a stone was laying against it and Jesus said take away the stone and Martha the sister of him who was there of the dead said to him Lord by this time there is a stench in other words he stinks uh, for he has been dead four days. She didn't really want to embarrass her brother here. But Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. How many of y'all know he hears you too? But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. And now when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. I mean, I think Jesus got loud. I guarantee you he's groaning and he's upset. And I, I, I suppose that it was a, a blood curdling, shaking the rafters. Why? He's having to cut through everybody else's funk. Nobody else is with him. Mary and Martha think he stinks. Uh, all of the Jews are there criticizing. But, but with everything in him, he has to come through and, and break through all of that funky atmosphere there. And people say, well, I wonder why God doesn't do miracles anymore. I think God hasn't changed. But sometimes you have to be willing to lift up your voice and break through some of this stuff. This man's dead and he's been dead for four days. You're not going to come in there with just anything. No, uh, Jesus came in there. With, uh, uh, he's loaded for bear, right? And it says, he, Lazarus come forth. And when he had died, he who came out, he came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. That's where you're at. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Jesus here has taken an impossible situation. And this, this man is as dead as a doornail. He's as dead as they come. Uh, Rigamars has long set in. The smell has long set in. But Jesus has the power to radically transform this dead person totally to life. The Bible says in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61 that when Jesus would come he would give beauty for ashes you know what that means that means out of something that is burned beyond recognition beyond repair there's no hope for it in my in my yard I've been burning constantly it's like I can't ever get done burning we live in the woods there's trees I'm constantly burning and you can take a huge pile light it on fire and come back the next day and it's totally everything is totally gone and the Bible says out of a horror 
horrible uh, situation, Jesus can bring life and can, can bring beauty out of nothing. And Lazarus here, he's totally dead. And yet Jesus speaks life to him and he, the, the life of God, enters him and he comes walking out. But the problem with him is that he's still bound. He's still, the Bible says, he's still bound. His feet and his hands, he's bound. And Jesus gives the instructions, loose that man and let him go. Or in other words, every one of us, whenever we're taken out of darkness and we're on our way to hell and we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and now we're in the kingdom of his dear son, we're totally born again, alive and new. And yet many times we're still bound. We're still bound hand and foot. And it takes a process of unwrapping those grave clothes. That it takes a, it takes a little while that, that round and round. And that word repent just means I've been going round and round and round this way. Year after year. Sometimes 30 or 40 years. But now I have to repent. Or I have to change. And I have to go through the process of unwrapping the grave clothes. Was he alive? Yeah, he's totally, absolutely alive. He came out totally redeemed. But now the process has to start and Jesus actually instructed them they said listen you're going to have to help unloose this man loose him or show him how to undo himself get out of the grave clothes you're almost free buddy we're going to help you look at you look at you. surprise <laughs> you made it but there's a process of this unwrapping that, 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 that we're all redeemed praise God but some people are wrapped a little, a little tighter than others. I mean, I know what I'm saying. Some people have gone through abuse and have gone through, uh, have been let down and disappointed by people, have gotten addicted or gotten into certain things, and, and they've been going this way year after year after year after year. But if you'll hang with it, God will send people and He'll send the Holy Spirit and He'll hang the He'll He'll send the Word of God and He'll slowly get you going in reverse and to where to eventually not only are you going to heaven but you're not bound. Not only are you going to make eternity, but now you're actually your hands are free and your feet are free and your mind is free. It took honestly, it took several years just for my mind to come back. Not that I was cray cray, uh, but. Uh, I was not cray cray, you know, I didn't need to be in the loony bin, but just the Bible says that you have to renew your mind with the word of God. Well, that takes a process. And sometimes people, they give up on the process or they feel like, well, I'm, I'm lousy at this or they fall and they don't know how to recover when they fall. But, but my, uh, I had just some strategic verses. Thank God for the word of God that as I'm in Bible school and I'm coming out of life of running from the Lord, just, um, and it maybe wouldn't happen every day but every month or two there would be a scripture or a word or somebody that would just carry me just anchor nail my feet to the floor that would help me 
make it through whenever I didn't know how to go on. And I want to give you these three or four verses, and I believe they'll help you. Some of you here, you have, you, you have no problem. Uh, you've been serving the Lord for five years, ten years, and, and I'm certainly not saying that now uh, I don't have any struggles. The struggles that my wife and I have now are different than the ones that we had ten years ago. Does that mean we don't have any? No. I mean, now we're starting a church with nothing. Uh, you know, so we have a different type of things that we have to go round and round with. But but we still have things that, that we deal with. They're just different. The things that I used to do, I ain't no more tempted to do that again. And I'm just a flabbergasted that I was dumb enough to do it in the first place. So that doesn't tempt me anymore. But there's a different set of things that, that we have to constantly renew our mind to. I, I've never, never been a dad before, you know, until recently. Well, there's things I'm learning about that that I, sometimes I'm lousy and sometimes I feel like I do pretty good. Well, those are things that I have to work with. Being married. Lord, just kidding. So, but, but there were some verses that, man, they just helped. And there were some people, there were some things, you know. The, I remember one day sitting in, in Bible school and I couldn't figure out how I was going to get through some of this. Because actually, honestly, I would go to Bible school, maybe the first couple months I was there, I'd go to Bible school Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, I would still want to go out. But, but I had a desire in my heart to not be like that. And I remember telling the Lord out loud, I'd, tell him, I'd say, I, I won't give up. If it takes me 10 years to unwrap myself and get beyond these desires, I don't care how long it takes. I'm not giving up on you, and I know you won't give up on me. And it didn't take 10 years, but, but it took some time. But, but this, this quote here, I remember reading Smith Wigglesworth, and he wrote a book called Ever Increasing Faith. And this quote in there, it says, if you desire towards God, you'll have desire from God or in other words if you would just de desire towards him say God I desire you God I want you I want your plan for my life I want the will of God for my life I want your mate for me I want to live where you want me to live and do what you want me to do if you desire towards him he has a way of swapping out your desires and I don't know how he does that but he has a way of taking you where I, I really want to go do this but when as long as you just have within you a desire for him he'll take your other desires and just move them around to where you don't even desire to go do that stuff anymore and a year ago you used to and you sit back and you're like man I don't know how I got here but I used to like doing that but now I don't even want to go do that anymore how did that happen it started with you just just saying God I believe because I'm desiring towards you you're going to give me your desires you'll give me your desires for the lost you'll give me your desires for my life you'll give me your desires and he'll swap those things out Micah 7 8 was a verse that just carried me Lord Jesus thank God for Micah nobody ever talks about Micah and I don't know a lot of verses in Micah but if this is the only one that I ever know it helped some of you again you don't have any this is this is not uh, an area for you like well you know I really don't feel like I mess up a ton well we've been talking about reaching people and if you're going to reach people, if you're going to disciple people, if you're going to, if you're going to win, the, if you're going to try and say by the end of the year, I want one person, I want to have brought one person into a committed relationship with Jesus Christ, that person is going to fall. And they're going to mess up. And I, it, would, it would be beneficial for you not to beat them to death when they mess up. If you could uh, uh, love them back to this place if you could take these verses and say you know what i know you've done this but but here th this right here will help you micah chapter 7 at verse 8 
he says, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. First thing you want to know what to do whenever you fall or whenever you make mistakes, get up. Step one, get up and tell the devil, don't rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I've fallen, I shall arise. I fell, but don't get excited about me falling because in about five minutes, I'm going to be back upright and I'm going to keep going forward. It doesn't matter how many times you fall. He says, and I just love, he's just speaking to his enemy. He says, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. Though I have fallen, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I don't know how many times I would say this verse and I would mess up say something I shouldn't say, do something I shouldn't do. And, 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 and I would uh, just feel like, man, you really screwed up. But I would just tell the devil, I say, listen, I told the Lord if it takes me 10 years, then 10 years, that's how long it'll take. But don't get excited. Don't, it, don't get excited because I did that. I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord is a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him until he pleads my case. What's that mean? The blood of Jesus. That, 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 that you fall, but there is the blood. And I believe that Jesus, the, Bible, the, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, whenever you mess up and you screw up, he starts berating you. You shouldn't have done that. Now the Lord don't, the Lord don't even like you. You down at the church raising up your hands, and now you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And he's just berating you. But then the Bible says you have an advocate, and that's the Holy Spirit. And he brings the blood of Christ, and he pleads your case. And he says, yeah, but the blood redeems him. He pleads your case. He executes justice for you, and he will bring you forth to the light, and in you will see his righteousness. Glory to God. Let's look at Proverbs. I have to hurry. Don't rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I have fallen, I shall arrive. Arise, sorry. You're going to arrive too. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 24. You got it up there? Maybe I'll just read it. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16 says, A righteous man may fall seven times. I love the King James. It says, A good man falls seven times. But he rises again. But the wicked shall fall by the calamity. It says here that a good man or a righteous man falls seven times. Lots of times we think we're good if we don't fall. But according to this verse, you not falling doesn't make you good. What makes you good is you getting back up. Because you're going to fall, baby. I promise you. You walk out of here and you're going to fall. But what makes you good or what makes you uh, able to stand or righteous are you just being willing to say, my goodness is not dependent upon upon me falling my goodness is my dependent upon me rising up and saying don't rejoice over me though I've fallen I shall arise so step one is just just get back up you know the story and I have to hurry I wish we could read it the story of the prodigal son oh the prodigal uh, the, the Bible says that he he comes to his daddy and he says daddy I want my inheritance now I want you to give me all of my inheritance all my money now and the Bible says the father does it he gives his money and the Bible says that the prodigal 
prodigal goes away and he squanders all his money. The Bible says he spends it on harlots. I mean, he just, he really goes for it. I mean, he goes out there and blows his whole inheritance just living the life that he thought that he wanted to live. But the Bible says that he finds himself eating the pods with the the pigs. What's that? Well, they take all the beans out of the pods and then they just feed the pods to the pigs. Well, he's sitting there eating the pods with the pigs. And, and, And the Bible says he comes to himself. Come on. There's got to be a point where, where you just come to yourself. The Bible says he comes to his senses. And he says, at least if I was at my daddy's house, I could be a servant or be a slave to him. And I could eat regular food. And the Bible says he comes to himself. He gets up and he returns to the father's house. Well, what did he finally do? Finally, he just rose up. But he really shouldn't have waited so long to rise up. But he rose up. But but he was thinking, my dad's going to be mad. He's going to be upset. He's going to be. Uh, he's going to chastise me. But the Bible says that, that that the father sees his son and he runs to his son and he puts a ring on his finger and that ring is really just his authority. Remember they used to kiss the ring of of the king and they would they would take that wax and they would press the insignia of that that ring on that wax and seal it what's that mean that's the authority or the name behind uh, that king and that ring so his daddy restores his authority we lost all of our authority whenever Adam and Eve sinned but Jesus gave it all back baby and he put that ring back on that son's finger and the Bible says he gave him a robe and that's the same robe that we have the robe of righteousness he killed the fatted calf and had a party and celebrated well, what was he celebrating? This guy who, who had fallen. No doubt that he fell, but he was a good man. Why was he good? Because, because he got back up. He finally came to his cell. Step one, you just got to get back up. Romans 8, 1 says, Now that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. What's step two? You can't beat yourself up about it. The devil, he's going to try and wear you down. He's going to try and beat yourself up. But does that mean that you're not repentant? Does that mean that you're not sorry? No, but what I'm saying is, is you can't allow what you did to keep you out of the presence of God. Because a lot of people, whenever they mess up, they want to run away from the presence of God. But, but my own kids, I would never want my kids to not want to be in my presence because of something that they did. If Noble spills the milk, I don't want him to not want to be around me anymore no I'm probably going to tell him something you know what I told you not to be sitting on the couch drinking milk anyway if you listen to your daddy yeah there's he's probably going to get a little bit of that but I never want him to not be or not to approach me and the devil he's just constantly trying to keep us out of the presence of God people they say I don't want to go to church anymore because that's where the presence of God is and I've I've messed up I've screwed up no you have to get up there's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ the last one I have to give you this morning praise God the Bible says that if we confess our sins that Jesus first John chapter 1 though I have fallen I shall arise what to do when you mess up. My goal today uh, uh, was a twofold goal. 
and the the first the first goal that I had with 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 this morning is is it if if you feel like that you're always falling down and messing up is to get you to see the heart of the Father and to get you to arise. The other thing is is those of you that don't feel like that you struggle with any of this to help you uh, uh, help other people. Come on, we're not just here just to be here. And we're not here just because we don't have anything better to do. No, we're on assignment from heaven to reach the lost and to reach people. And we have to know how to effectively do that without beating them up. Push them down. No, you got to be able to uh, learn how to unwrap. Say, man, this guy's been going this direction his whole entire life. It's going to take a little bit of time to unwrap him. But once he's unwrapped, then he's free. And then he can go and do what he needs to do. First uh, John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do you do whenever you fall down? Get back up and then just ask God to forgive you. It's really that easy. If, if you'll confess your sins, He's faithful and just to do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I remember uh, in Bible college just, just hearing these words, be quick to repent, be quick to believe, and, and, and be, uh, uh, don't be in fear. Those three things just constantly resonated in my heart. But, but mostly be quick to repent. Be, be quick to, whenever you screw up, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't hold on to it. Don't say, God, I ask you to forgive me. You know, you know I've been trying to get this thing better. I've been working on this thing. You've been showing me how to make it better. Uh, I just ask you to forgive me right now. And if you'll do that, you know what he does? He forgives you. Just that quick, He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And it's not that you have to beat yourself up and you don't, you don't run from His presence. No, just that quick. Uh, he, he says right here, you say, and you tell Him, you say, God, you said that if I would confess my sins before you, that you would cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I'm asking you to forgive me, and now I'm getting back up. Now I'm riding the ship. Because I want to go forward. How long does this stuff take? Well, I don't know. You know, different things take different people different amounts of time. Uh, some things I, I had a hard time cutting loose of that thing. But, but, but God's faithful. He's just. He's so wonderful. He, he, he's, he, he's everything. Praise God. I, I'm out of time. I've got a couple more scriptures I could give you, but, but I'm not going to. I don't have time this morning. It's 11 o'clock. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Father God, that you're teaching us, showing us how to reach people, how to effectively clean, how to effectively sanctify ourselves and help others get down the road. Father God, that all of us fall, all of us struggle. But Father God, we choose, we purpose in our heart to be good to be a good man and to not stay down, but for us to arise. And the things that have wrapped us and bound us up, that supernaturally, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, that there's an ability to unwrap, to get us turned around going the other direction. Thank you, Father God, for, for how wonderful, how patient you are. You said that if it weren't for you, for your, for your mercies, that we would all be consumed. The reason that you haven't come back yet is you're being patient with us, giving us an opportunity to, to, to make the turn and to reach 
other people. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness this morning. If you're here, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. Uh, uh, this is uh, the, the most important decision you'll ever make is just being saved, being just saying, God, I've, I've been going this direction, but it's time I need to make a change. I need to just turn things around. He'll take you totally out of darkness. He'll give you beauty for ashes, but there'll still be some things, some adjustments that you'll have to make. But praise God, He'll send people to help you, to help you unwrap. If you're here, you need to be saved, need to be born again, and you want to go a different direction. Uh, I'd like to pray with you, pray for you. I know most all of you, know most all of you are doing well, but I don't want to close without, if you're here, you say, I need prayer. Maybe you're struggling with something. Uh, Maybe it could be unforgiveness for an ex-husband or unforgiveness for this or unforgiveness for that, a parent or whatever. And there's things that you know that have just, they've got you, you're bound just your hands and your feet and you feel like I can't go forward. If there's anything you would like to pray about, pray, uh, uh, just, you know, I'm available. My wife is available. And maybe you say, I don't want to do it in front of everybody. Then after the service, I encourage you to find us. We're happy to pray, pray with you, pray for you. But if you're here, you say, I, I know I need to get right with God. I know that I need forgiveness. I ask you to raise your hand. Is there anybody like that? Again, I know most of you. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Saw those hands. That's that's fine. Uh, if you if you don't want to do it publicly, as far as what you're going through, again, we're we're available, available to pray with you, pray for you. If you're struggling in any area, I believe in the power of God to help undo, fix, and restore. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're where I help comes from that you give power to the faint thank you holy spirit that we rely and trust in you to help to give life that you're the giver of life this morning thank you lord pray father god for those hands that were raised i thank you lord that that you give power to the faint to those that have no might you increase their strength i thank you lord for the gift and the hand of god upon them so that they can go forward their future being bright Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's make this confession of faith this morning. Let's just go out ready to do everything that God has called us to do. Everybody say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are the giver of life. You make beauty out of ashes. I thank you for turning me around, unwrapping me. All of my tendencies, all of my sin, you wash it away. You cause me to be productive. You cause me to be a vessel of honor for you. In Jesus' name, amen.